0: the 7th Amazing Race 30 recap episode of your team member of the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmsdown and joining me as always for my 200th episode is the Canadian who whenever he's grabbing stuff has the problem that all he gets is milk, 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 Logan Saunders. Afternoon. And the lady who would rather hang upside down naked being set on fire, arms <laughs> first than be podcasting with us or seeing a family Michelle
1: Pistana. <laughs> I thought I'd get that one. <laughs> oh god.
0: Had you not mentioned it before we started recording it, I would have got you to do an Anthony-style guess what your, uh, your intro is going to be, because it was deeply predictable. As oh, soon as it happened, I wrote it down immediately and thought, yeah. that is a perfect Michelle intro.
1: Well, I thought it was going to be one of us. I thought, who's going to be hanging?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's almost like I go for the low-hanging fruit with the intros every week.
1: Oh yeah, we know that.
0: And you should really know that, given that this is 200 episodes for me now. What have I done with my life?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Wasted. Wasted.
0: I've been discussing this on, on Twitter all week, going, 200 episodes, what on earth have I done with my life?
1: Yep, that's like 200 plus hours of talking to people about random shows.
0: It's probably closer to three, 400. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and that's not including the editing.
0: Yeah, I think the average um, podcast goes for about an hour and a half. We do the previews as well, which tend to go for at least two hours. The Amazing Race Canada preview, which still only counts as one, but we had to split it into two parts, was three hours. (laughs) Genuinely, I've spent far too much time doing this. Yeah. But thank God it's this week rather than last week, because last week was a shit show, and this one was amazing.
1: A good this is one.
0: maybe my favorite double episode ever. Really? Ooh. It's utterly ridiculous. Was that supposed to be a pun? I said utterly rather <laughs> than utterly, but everything about the this pair of episodes was just utterly utterly bonkers. And I have to start with an apology from myself because last week I made the rash decision to say is Britney the best character of the season? And I have been sorely mistaken, given that I have an entire page of just Connor quotes on this episode.
2: He gets half of the
0: airtime in these two hours. He has strongly become the funniest person of the season. By far. April and Sarah? I think Connor's had more fun quotes. Because when we get to the the camel milking task, I'm just going to keep reading Connor quotes, because I've typed up I've got about half a page of just Connor quotes from that task.
2: The thing is, though, how would April and Sarah have
0: been by episode 10 of The Amazing Race? That is very true. They would have been at each other's throats, especially given that this was a self-drive leg again. But I genuinely think Connor is the saving grace of this season at the moment. He's just really, really funny. Yeah. you gotta keep t- you got to keep tweeting him until he responds to you. He's on races Recap tomorrow. I know. I'm going to be sat in the chat just going, you're my favourite. And he's on with Henry and Evan as well, who are also my favourites. So, like, this is a win-win episode for me. So, previously, five teams raced through Zimbabwe. A surprise partner swap saw teams split up and basically intersect for a leg, sending Christie to the back of the pack. An unannounced U-turn saw Henry and Evan targeted, but a musical task was what sent Eric and Daniel home. And teams must now fly to the new country for Amazing Race of Bahrain and find their next clues on the cars at the airport.
2: And no other franchises have been to Bahrain, correct? That is 100% true. Or as some of the racers said, Baja Rain.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> and yet it was cats that were let out rather than dogs.
2: What was, what was with all the shots of the Falcon? We kept getting the perspective of the Falcon all throughout this leg. I thought one I of the teams that. was going to get like eaten by a Falcon and have it swoop down <laughs> and, I don't know, maybe take Evan's nose ring or something.
0: There were some really odd choices in this pair of legs, especially with the fact that we finally got our obligatory animal task with them actually having to deal with camels, which are always wonderful anyway. But then, yeah, the falcon cam, and just the ridiculous amount of self-driving. And the fact that this entire leg was basically just an anti-climax because we were waiting for Lucas and Brittany to go home. Mm. Yeah.
2: That's... The thing with Lucas and Brittany, I know we're skipping ahead a bit, but for anyone who has ever done any sort of international travel, if the other teams are in another country and you're just getting back from an embassy before you've even gone through the airport and security and waiting for your flight to depart and knowing that you have to go through customs in the other country when you land and going through security there to uh, get a car and then get into the main city you, you, you know that Lucas and Brittany are very 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 far behind as soon as they, they have to go to the embassy to get a passport
0: yeah it's pretty much an M. Bison game over situation They're, that's very much so <laughs> but it's really weird that I enjoyed this pair of episodes which is basically just two final four non-eliminations back to back it's weird yeah. that I enjoyed them so much, and that's because we finally actually saw personality from a lot of these teams. You get to know everybody
2: in these two legs because nobody really gets eliminated. Well, you know who gets eliminated, like, five minutes in, and then everything's just taken really slow. We get we get some scenes that you wouldn't see on The Amazing Race anymore. Like, we see... We, we see... Bacon D- and Tori spelling.
0: Uh, shopping for shoes. Yeah, I've got some interesting thoughts on that. In the fact that it's the most pointless scene we've ever seen on Amazing Grace. And yes, that involves everything with Gino and Jesse.
1: Yeah, they do not really have to show it.
0: No, of course they didn't have to show it. No one cares. It is just an excuse for them to bitch about Lucas and Brittany and be really bitter about the U-turn. That's weird. There's no other way to describe it because you have them and Henry and Evan who both got U-turned last leg. And you see the contrasting styles between the Big Brother way of we have a massive alliance and we hate all of you until we fuck everything up as always. Versus Henry and Evan, who are calm as anything. Henry and Evan, do not let anything faze them. And that is why they're going to win.
1: Mm. Rant over. <laughs> I'll give you a rant. What was the thing that <laughs> said at the beginning? You know, he said, oh, sorry, I can't say their names.
0: You can say whatever you want because I'm going to reverse it in the edit or put stupid sound effects or something over it.
1: All right. I have a lot of sound effects to
0: use from this week, by the way. So
1: (laughs) He said to her, um, you know, we're back of the pack. um, And she said, oh, dear God, Um, Oh, I'm only back of the pack for this, not in real life. I'm definitely not a back of the pack kind of girl. So what is a back of the pack kind of girl? Like, how far up yourself are you? Sorry. I'd had enough of that. I I read a huge what on my page.
0: That entire first scene was basically just an excuse for them to say, we're going to make Lucas and Brittany, an infinitely better team, really uncomfortable, or get them eliminated. It's like, that's just really mean-spirited to open an episode with. Regardless of your thoughts on them generally, I happen to think that they're complete sociopaths, but... The fact that you open an episode with pretty much a confessional of, oh, we're just going to make this team really, really uncomfortable and be super petty, that just isn't a good way to open the episode. As it happens, this entire leg just serves to basically be a complete fu to that team. And it's wonderful. This pair of episodes is basically just an example of why they have zero chance of winning this season.
1: She's just not a very nice person. You know, and even in the airport saying, oh, karma was kicking in way earlier than anticipated. How? Why do you say that crap? I mean, it's not as though she did something huge to her. She didn't even do anything to her. I mean, it's a game. Oh, it's a race.
0: And I think it speaks volumes that Brittany waited until this week to release her statement on what had happened, basically. And Brittany was very respectful and the response from the team she was talking about was to take all of the airtime away from them and get engaged after seven months. Mm. Yes. It's certainly convenient timing that on the same day as the episode that Lucas and Brittany got eliminated on, Ed, we just so happened to find out that TMZ were in a random canyon near LA where they got engaged. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, for those of you who don't know, Bacon and
2: Tory Spelling did, in fact, get engaged. Lucas and Brittany waited nine years, Bacon and Tory Spelling waited seven months. Hmm. And happened to do it the day that Lucas and Brittany get eliminated on TV.
0: It's certainly convenient timing. It's almost like they were deliberately taking the Amazing Race attention away from the team that they don't like. You know what, though? After everything that Lucas and Brittany have gone
2: through on social media... They probably don't mind having attention deflected away from them.
0: Yeah, it just reflects the the bad attitude that has been shown towards them by certain other teams, though, doesn't it? Yes, it's certainly a great example of a bitterness, for want of a better word. Yeah. And
2: another Mason Race news: Jenna Maraska.
0: What happened to her?
1: Yeah.
0: She was obviously hanging out with uh, Ted Rogers Jr. and just. Heard about some sexy biting.
2: I I don't think overdosing on drugs and biting police officers is... There's nothing sexy about it, Michael.
0: Bet Thailand Ted wasn't the uh,
2: reference you were expecting me to make there. No, not... Well, I mean, there, this is a Thailand leg for half of this doubleheader, but no, I wasn't expecting Ted Rogers Jr. to be referenced in a Jenna Maraska nearly... Uh,
0: dying by overdose uh, story. How did it take so long for this to come out, by the way? Because this happened nearly a month ago. I guess TMZ eventually dug it up, I guess,
2: because they were the first ones to report it.
0: And Brittany begins the episode by saying that it's now a choice between being nice and being smart. Which, given the airport scene that happens sort of five minutes later in the episode, you have the people being nice and being friendly to each other, and then you have the team being smart, a.k.a. Henry and Evan.
2: I like how the clue's said to go to the port city of Manama and Bahrain,
0: but I'm pretty sure it's pretty much the only port city in all of Bahrain. And also, isn't it a good idea that this happened on season 30? Because if it happened on season 29, Joey Covino might get a bit confused if he was sent from Panama to Manama. We all know that he struggles with the Panamanian flag as it is. Don't send him to another country that has a place that sounds quite like Panama.
1: <laughs>
0: Basically, for podcast number two hundred for me, I'm just going for all the greatest hits. So we have the Ted Rogers Jr. jokes, we have the the Joey Cavino jokes. It it just works. Do you know what's the, the driver in
2: uh, in Harare on the way to the airport? I think it's the ca- yeah, it's the cab driver that Lucas and Brittany hire. Where he's wearing a t-shirt that says, they'll make a movie about me?
0: I did not know.
1: Yes, I did. I thought, hang on, we can just talk about him in a podcast.
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be briefly mentioned in a podcast is
0: now his new t-shirt. Someone send it to that guy. I'll be briefly mentioned in a podcast that has literally tens of listeners. (laughs) (laughs) And it's Lucas and Brittany who leave at 8.41, with Christy and Jen at 8.46, Allison and Connor at 9.05, Henry and Evan at 9.24, and then, yeah, we don't mention the team who leave at 9.35. Oh, I sh- you know what Henry and Evan should have said? Instead of saying
2: that there was no animosity, they should have said there was no manimosity. Eric and Daniel probably would, so it's a saving grace that they went out in sixth. Maybe it was like a weird, like, Freaky Friday-type incident happened where they just took on the spirit of Eric and Daniel. They, sw- they switched bodies, so hopefully no one gets into any sort of uh, trouble back in uh, Louisiana, because Eric and Daniel may overanalyze the situation if you get stuck in a fire.
0: I mean, if they got stuck in a, a fire, it would be a freaky fry day situation. <laughs>
2: oh, jeez. Really?
0: Double bun. So intense. <laughs> oh,
2: Speaking of puns, Alex and Connor at the pit start... Was that like eight references in a row to the Indy 500?
0: All I have written down is just all the car puns. I'm not even writing these down, just all the car puns.
2: It was just waiting to see the checkered flag, this flag, you know, go full throttle, um, where, you know, there's just a few more turns to go. Jesus Christ, Connor. It's almost like producers prompted them to do that. This has been the theme of the season, just start to finish. If Just based on your uh, background, that you have to constantly reference it to the point that
0: I may or may not want to punch these racers in the face. It's like they watched Amazing Race Asia and took the wrong lessons from Alan Wu's hosting. <laughs> so yeah, Connor says that he's been to Bahrain before, and there is a lot of car puns from him and Alex. And Henry and Evan say they've got no animosity towards Alex and Connor. And then at the airport, Lucas and Brittany get no guarantees that there won't be flight delays. Which is an entirely pointless scene, given that they're going to have a massive flight delay. This round
2: episode, you could yeah. say, had a lot of those early Mason Race style of why was why is that scene in here? Why is that scene in here? Why, why when are we get... Because especially nowadays, we just go from task to task to task. but This is the first episode where we really see people get from... Uh,
0: point A to point B in quite some time. Why do you think we saw the, the train of buying scene at the start? You were remarkably quiet when Michelle and I were ranting. Because
2: not much else really happens in this episode. I mean, the ta- task-wise, it's not the most interesting to really watch, like them just transporting logs in the sun or finding obscure items that are tough to capture on camera that would require a lot of special editing and then I think they cut—they completely cut the one task out. There was another task where they were jumping off a pirate ship or something?
0: There was. I have that description coming soon. It was quite weird that they were being filmed at the time, though. Because that's not the sort of secret scene that anyone will care about. I
2: think the yeah. other reason why that scene did get aired is because CBS is very invested in... Bacon and Tory Spelling. And... This was kind of like an audition for the Bacon and Tory Spelling reality show. That's what it came off as to me. Like, oh, let's see Bacon and Tory Spelling do simple everyday things like
0: buying shoes. Hopefully that will be on CBS All Access so no one will ever watch or hear about it again.
1: You know what's weird? You know, they put it on and then social media, some people went crazy about it saying, oh... Why have they even gone to buy shoes? Why don't doesn't she run in, you know, songs, flip-flops, whatever they call them? <laughs> I was thinking, what? Yeah, fine. They have a bit of hate towards them, but how on earth are you finding hate in them just buying some
2: shoes? Everything else about that scene, yes, will trigger hate. But why is... You're right, though, Michelle. Why is the act of buying shoes when you have flip-flops
0: on The Amazing Race... So controversial. Well, everyone knows that Britney deliberately pushed her shoes off the ledge.
2: Yeah, she's the Kelly and Christie
0: of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, mandatory rest periods. I mean, I heard that in Harare Garden, she just chucked them over the fence and said, "Suck it, bitch! You can't run anymore." <laughs> that is the impression of Britney that social media has been giving me. <sighs> Rather than it's being crazy. the mild-mannered, nice person that she actually is. Apparently she's a raging hell demon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't you just love these fans? No. <laughs> it's great for you, you get to do the funniest complaints. <laughs> um Which on that note I am I'm greatly appreciating the fact that there's been some Vidim references in the past few funniest complaints and stuff.
2: <laughs>
0: I liked the true. fact we got a show in there. I like the fact that your Reddit thread actually included the incorrect spelling of Tunnel Vizzy. It's just nice. It's nice for me to see, as the person who pretty much press-ganged you into watching it.
2: Yes. Oh, um, Brittany actually talked about the, the all the flight mishaps on social media. So I guess what happened on this flight to Dubai is that there was it was a uh, fairly chaotic because I guess somebody needed medical attention on the flight. Um. And also, there's a guy trying to steal $7,000 worth of stuff from somebody else's luggage in the overhead compartment. Yeah, oh. she was writing about that online, unless I just completely imagined it. But I'm pretty sure she posted about that online. And then when they landed, I guess there's a lot of disorienting things going on. And then Lucas left the passport in the magazine rack area, like the thing in front of your seat and then they wouldn't let him or Brittany back onto the plane at all. They searched the plane for him, but I guess just did a really shitty job of searching it, even though we told them exactly
0: where it was on the plane, and that's yeah, why it. That yeah, it would have still been
1: there. It's really annoying.
0: That is the assumption that I basically had, that he probably just put it in the, the magazine pocket and forgot through having to try and rush to, to change planes. And as I
1: said on Facebook, I've done that with a new mobile phone. It was literally two days old. Two-day old iPhone in the back seat of a pocket. I got off and my husband nearly had a fit. And because I was had a baby and I was dealing with the baby and but we waited at the airport and literally half an hour later, she showed me this box of completely new iphones so many of them there must have been at least 20 in this box and there was my i got it back
0: so in summary michelle cares more about her iphone than her children
1: no you see in summary, i was caring more about my children than my iphone and then when i got off yes i needed my iphone back how times
0: <laughs> have changed
2: i left my uh, laptop back in the security yeah, you of visa once had a whole saga to try and get that one back
0: Logan had to do an extra flight to go back to Ibiza just to pick up his laptop.
1: No way.
2: Yep. Because oh, I, so I did the classic one bin and security on top of the other bin. And I forgot oh. to lift the top bin up where my laptop <gasps> was. Then I was on the plane. I was like even in the lineup thinking, I don't remember putting my laptop in my backpack. No, I wouldn't do something that stupid. And then I get on the plane and right before takeoff, I'm like, oh, I, I don't, I don't think my laptop is in here. And then the attendants are like, oh, we can just send it to you uh, in Madrid when you get there. And then I get there, and they're like, why would they tell you that? They can't send it to us here. So, yeah. I'd eventually fly back to Ibiza a few weeks later on the way to Rome. And I just picked my laptop at the airport there. And, yeah.
1: All right, two questions. How much did that cost you?
2: Not that much. It was a pretty no, cheap flight. Good. It's the only reason why I went to Paris, actually was because I found a flight from Paris to Ibiza to Rome.
1: Okay. And what do you mean put one box on top of the other box? They didn't let us do that here.
0: So, when he was pulling it off the conveyor, I'm assuming, so he just stacked them up to make it easier to carry and put them on the table, and then forgot to, you know, lift up the top box.
1: Ah.
0: Yeah, like way on the conveyor, yeah, with putting
2: the stuff into the bins... It was the only time ever where i put one bin on top of the other with my laptop right. being in the second bin.
1: <laughs> You'll never I... do that again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Now everything's just in one straight line. I never stack one one bin on top of the other after that. So that's why I, before when teams would make stupid mistakes like this, uh, for example, Hamilton, McHale, and Amazing Race Canada... Before I'm like, oh, what idiots leaving things on planes? What morons, you know? And then when I see Lucas and Brittany have this thing happen to them, especially when they know there's no mystery as to where the passport is. Not only do they know it's on the plane, they know the exact spot on the plane where it's at, and no one's letting them get back on to quickly just snag it. They know they could grab it within like 30 seconds and already be back in the airport.
0: To be fair, from my experience of airports in the UAE when I transferred in Abu Dhabi, I can't say I'm surprised at the attitude of no, you're not allowed to break the rules and go back onto the plane, because they were horrid when I was there. I've mentioned my hatred of the UAE generally. I'm not a big fan. I always see very mixed things about, uh, uh, about the Emirates. They're just a bit tacky. It's like Vegas. It's the same reason I don't like Vegas. It's so artificial and has naff old culture, basically. Not to the same extent as Vegas, which is literally just a mafia town 200 miles from anywhere civilised, but the UAE has tried to become sort of the the Vegas of the Middle East, and it just is a bit tacky. Mm. It's crazy in Dubai. They'll put up like because
2: they hosted a UFC event about seven years ago, right after they put to they got like a 10 percent stake in the UFC company, so they had an event in Dubai to celebrate it. And I kid you not, they built an outdoor stadium just to host one pay per view event and then they tore it down
0: right after it was over just because there's that much money in Dubai.
1: Yeah, I heard about that.
0: Anyway, rants about the UAE and people leaving stuff on flights over. Yeah. So Locus and Brittany are, this is pretty much where it's over. It's kind of funny
2: because they had the quotes of, oh, we're in first place now. Now, it's, it's much tougher to hang on to first place, and they can't even hang on to first place in an
0: equalizer situation.
2: That's how bad it is. <laughs> with trying to hang on to first place.
0: So, once teams get to Manama, not Panama, Joey, they must now drive themselves to the Dow shipyard to find their next clue, and anyone who has watched previous Amazing Race seasons knows exactly what a Dow is, thanks to Charlotte and Mina. D how? And at the shipyard, it's an active rate info, which is that teams must drag 300 pounds of timber and put it on a scale to get their next clue.
1: How clever are those girls? I mean, how clever are they? Love them! I love them so much.
0: We haven't really seen much personality from Christie this season so far, but actually these two legs were very good for her between the showing how to drag timber properly from that to her basically screaming at Jen to hurry the fuck up and eat the scorpions. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, hurry up. They're biting me. And Henry and Evan decide to go for the heaviest wood that they can carry. If you think that's giggle worthy, oh, just wait. <laughs> and then Christine and Janet leave in first And teams must now find the show waiter to And taste the king of Halwa to get the next clue Deliberately phrased as innuendo
2: How hot was it in Manama that day? Has anybody looked it up?
1: It would have been, I think it, probably it would have been around the 40, 42, 45 It's always hot there
0: Yeah, given they filmed in October, November time And when I changed planes in Abu Dhabi, it was early October, and it was the middle of the night, and it was still 40 degrees.
1: Yeah. Why is she wearing long sleeves? What is wrong with her?
0: Aren't you supposed to wear long sleeves in in hot weather?
1: Well, the others weren't.
0: I think it's always advised that you wear long sleeves to avoid sunburn in hot weather. And also, it's, uh, it's, it's
2: a Middle Eastern country, so I think the... Actually, Brittany was talking about this too, where... During the flight, she. I think this is actually how Lucas ended up being in charge of the passport because Brittany had to go change on the flight to wear more "quote unquote" respectable, uh, respectful clothing for them to be in the Middle East. So that's why Lucas was uh, carrying the passport that's to fit local uh, attire and uh, clothing customs.
1: Because Evan was totally covered, neck to ankles, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I would be practically fainting in that heat trying to do those logs.
2: I'd assume for Evan it would probably be more that she just has really fair skin and would just burn, burn, burn. She'd probably get more damaged by the sunburn than by taking a uh, metal post on a boat to the to the tooth.
0: As someone who wears shorts any time above 10 degrees, basically, I have heard before that it's better to wear long sleeves than short sleeves in really hot weather because you'll just get really sunburned straight away. No, I live in Australia. Yeah, but in Australia, you have more things to worry about because everything is out to kill you, no exceptions.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 I understand that. I think I've told you before, I once did a race and it was 42 degrees and you do feel like you're running on the surface of the sun. So I was there with them in that yard and I thought, I know how hot it is there and I'm just surprised that no one really showed it more than what they did.
0: Also, there's the small fact that very soon after this, they did a very watery challenge. Mm. So they probably had a reasonable idea that they would be having to do something watery, because we were probably told to to wear the swimwear or something. Mm. And Alex and Connor leave in second, with Henry and Evan in third. And then she who shall not be named, who in my notes is just she, in inverted commas, doesn't want to be the reason that they lose. And we hear this soundbite twice... Which is one of the many reasons I don't think they're winning because it sounds like she's going to end up having to do a roadblock and she's not going to be able to do it.
2: Yeah, it sounds like they're hinting that she chokes at the fi- like, pretty much the final task of the season.
0: And to be fair, she wouldn't be the first person from Big Brother to choke on The Amazing Race. In the finale? No. <laughs>
1: um, when she was wiping his neck in the car and, you know, she's just fixing him up. And he said the words, Oh, you're embarrassing me in front of my friends.
0: I think he was trying to be funny. He that wasn't was...
1: smiling. He wasn't smirking. He was just saying that.
0: That was him really trying to be funny, though, Michelle. That's like, that's him trying to be comedic.
1: <laughs> really? Oh, wait, yes. It wasn't working.
0: That's him trying to use his airtime to show his sparkling personality.
1: Okay, there's nothing there. I'm sorry.
0: And also, it's the Amazing Race. Who cares what you look like if you're going to try and win a million dollars?
1: Exactly.
0: You can win a million dollars without looking good. Especially when it's hot as balls outside. You're just going to sweat everything off anyway. And teams must now find the Delman Pottery Industry to get their next clue once they taste the King of Halwa. And this is the point where we have the unair task. So it is basically a rip-off of the San Francisco task from Amazing Race All-Stars and was also copied in the Amazing Race Australia 1 finale of How Well Do You Know Your Partner? And they had three questions where they had to match their answers with their partner, and if they got any wrong, one of them had to take a walk off the plank and they had to start again.
1: Where was this?
0: This was unaired. It was spotted in the live sightings, and Jens now confirmed what the task was. But yeah, basically, if they got anything wrong, they had to get in the sea.
1: Was this before the Halwa?
0: This was after the Halwa.
1: Why didn't they air it?
0: We needed to know about uh, shoes instead. Exactly what I was going to say. They had to just show a two-minute, literally two-minute scene of them buying shoes.
2: That's crazy. Did every team jump in the water?
0: Uh, I know Christy and Jen, I think it was three questions they got wrong. I think they got each question wrong once. And then they realized that it didn't matter if the, the answers were correct. They just had to, you know, match
2: It would have been neat to. That's like one of the more interesting tasks to see on Amazing Race. I thought it was just like a jump in the water from a pirate ship. I didn't know it was one of those. How well do you know your partner? tasks. I'm actually kind of pissed they didn't air that, considering how slow this episode was overall. Like there was the two challenges with the with the timber and the the item hunt in the pottery shop really dragged on TV.
0: So the questions were out of the two of you. Who has carried the most weight in the race? Who is the first to quit on a task? And who knows their partner best? And team members had to answer these questions with one member standing on a plank on a boat floating on the sea. If their answers did not match, then the person on the plank had to dive into the bay and the teams would start over. Once teams matched all three answers, they would receive their next clue. That would have been awesome to see. Yeah. And this is a perfect opportunity, completely missed. It's an opportunity wasted, basically, for me to tell one team to get in the sea because they're so stupid. So once teams get to the pottery Village, they have to search pots for ten matching items that they were given in a box. And they can only take one pot at a time, and once they match all ten, they get the next clue, and there is nothing to say.
1: They were cute. I like those little trinkets. I want some.
0: Yeah, but it's an utterly pointless task.
1: <laughs> no, it's not pointless. It, it's it's It can, you know, really divide them if one team is just totally bad at finding them.
0: Yeah, but it added nothing to the episode. Especially when you have that on-air task, and then the glorious return of milking camels. Mm. If there's any switchback that anyone ever wants to see, it's going to be milking camels. Every time. Yeah, of course. Because camels are basically the least cooperative animal that ever appears on Amazing Race. They hate everyone and everything. And it is hilarious when you get someone like Connor.
2: Oh, I should note Jen made a terrible pun for the before going to the King of Halwa. Right when uh, right when Christy finished reading the clue, Jen said sweet. As soon as they found out they were going to the King of Halwa. <laughs> the language was just full of puns for uh, everybody.
1: It looked like liquid Turkish delight, basically.
2: Yeah, it's pretty much what it looked like.
1: I love how Yale argued. They have, like, the best argument because they totally make sense.
2: It's very logical, very straightforward. There's no emotion involved. It's just very rational, debating, thinking, and then they eventually draw a conclusion and just move on.
1: Yeah, so good.
2: In fact, Christy and Jen will have a similar incident in The Next Leg in Thailand where Jen has to stop Christy and say, hey, I think you're trying to prompt me to switch which task we're going to do. I think we should choose our original instinct. And then Chrissy said, you know what? You're right, Jen. And then the argument just stops there too. So there's a common theme with all four of these teams where, or well, with Lucas and Brittany as well, given their pineapple safe word. But it seems like one of the developing strategies of the amazing race is with teams trying to come up with this uh, system of how to respectfully talk about a subject and then giving some sort of verbal hint that they want to put their foot down about a certain topic when they're being bothered so they just aren't one of those fighting teams on TV uh, shouting over each other. Mm. In contrast to some of the teams that went earlier, like, uh, say, in April and Sarah, that didn't really oh. give each other that same amount of appropriate space from one, one another.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. I suppose both kinds of arguments have their value in in when you watch them but um, yeah, it's definitely nicer to see ones that don't actually start getting emotional and annoying.
0: So, teams must now drive to the Bahrain Endurance Village to get their next clue, and Christine and Jen leave in second, with Alts Connor in third, and Henry and Evan in fourth, after Henry gets an ad-break cliffhanger of him getting heatstroke. And my favourite moment of this entire task was just Henry and Evan trying to break the pot, and being completely adept at breaking a pot. It was delightful.
2: It was amazing. The pot needs a safe space,
0: Michael. It was a scene that they completely did not need to keep in, but obviously they love Henry and Evan as much as I do, so they found it as hilarious as I do. Pirate task or watching Henry and
2: Evan try to break a pot for 30 seconds?
0: How many attempts do you reckon Henry and Evan probably took at breaking that pot? Because I think that was edited. I think Lucas and Brittany
2: were able to drive all the way to the embassy and back to the airport by the time
0: Henry and Nevin were able to break that pot. And once teams get to the endurance village in maybe the greatest task of... In fact, the greatest task of the entire season, teams have to now milk a camel enough to fill a glass to get their next clue. And ordinarily, camels are fun on the evading race. In this case, camels are fun, but so is Connor. <laughs>
2: and we also get the great udders versus testicles um, (laughs) comparison.
0: I'm just going to run down everything Connor said. In my notes, it's just Connor generally, heart. Connor milking a camel, double heart. If you're touching my nether regions, I'd hike a knee. I've never milked anything before. Just grabbing things, milk, 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 with the hand actions. I got some in my eye. Can you get malaria from camels? I'm just there squeezing its nipples. And then from Henry and Evan, we find out that the camel noise is just Henry in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> yes. from someone who we won't mention, we get the quote of Hello Camel smells great out here
1: Someone said it makes me want to have cereal. It's just it's
0: a delightful task and I think they stumbled ass backwards into a great task in this one <laughs> It's no Lauren from TAR12 doing this task though No, I don't think they deliberately made this task this good. I think it was a complete fluke and I'm I'm down for it so Alex and Connor leave in first, and seams now find the tree of life the pit stop for this leg of the race, and the last teams check in may be eliminated.
2: I like how Connor just didn't even know like he could you could tell that he was just com- it's completely unique experience for him. He's never experienced anything similar to that in his life. Not what I thought I was gonna be doing when I woke up this morning.
0: Yeah. He's like, I don't even know what words to describe this, it was just a weird sensation. And Jen says that she loves camels, maybe more than she loves elephants, which is kind of hilarious. And they leave in second, just in time for Alex and Connor to check in first. And they win $7,500 each, which is enough for Connor to pay rent for a while. But not enough for him to move out. And Prissy and Jen do check in in second.
2: Oh, you know what would be great? When Phil was talking about the Tree of Life, he's like, No one knows what keeps this Tree of Life going and what they should have done is like in the background there's just a guy casually watering the tree and just glances over the camera with this really uh, really disturbed look and then quickly backs out of the shot. That would have been great.
0: <laughs> oh, just a, a maintenance guy setting up the irrigation system behind Phil's back.
2: <laughs> the sprinklers start going in the middle of Phil's explanation. No one knows why this tree in the middle of the desert with no water. Oh,
0: son of a... Let's retry <laughs> this again, guys. <laughs> I just imagine it like like a, it's a very eye-rolly reference, but like one of the Vidum meet the mole challenges so you know this season how we, we had that task in the middle of the park on uh, National Day or whatever it was in Georgia and Art turned around and said the exemption to the finale that you could have won is the fact that the mole got very close to you during this task, and that is known as a meet the mole challenge, you see it mainly in the earlier seasons, and I'm so happy they brought it back because they're usually the most devious ones. And as a general rule, when we have the reveal video at the end of the season, we will see who it was probably in the blonde wig, because they did focus on someone in a blonde wig for a long while. Really? Yeah. So they put together this sneaky video for the mole reveal, basically, because it'll be the final three standing in front of our, probably at that wonderful temple complex we saw in the the intro, and -hmm. it'll be V. Is. De Mole. That will be the cliffhanger at the end of episode 9. Guarantee it it happens every season. Art will turn around and say, you'll find out next week. But they will start the next episode live from Amsterdam on the 10th of March with that, and it will cut to a, a video splicing basically the reveal live in Georgia with usually Art meeting the mole before the season or something. But we'll probably see the mole take off the wig or something in there. Usually there's like a sneaky clue of Art doing a piece to camera with the mole walking behind them and grinning or something. That's what I'm sort of imagining this, the maintenance man basically doing.
2: Yes. Um, with the chasing the trinkets and the pottery task, I think it's the first time ever that we get a cat flashback.
0: Or flash cat.
2: Flash cat. Yes.
0: With face
2: and her obsession of cats, and then when Henry was melting in the sun, they also had Bart these, bass. be like, "Oh my god, I just want to take my shirt off." I'm thinking, this is not the type of video
0: I want to see with the- Tory Spelling. We go from buying shoes to this. And, weirdly, if I had to put money on which racer would have the first cat-themed flashback, I would probably put it on Haley.
2: I would have also put it on Haley.
0: So, Henry and Evan leave in third, and then check in in third, and the team who shall not be named check in in last, but because Lucas and Brittany haven't even made it to Manamar, Panama. But it's just a quick 75-minute mi- flight, Michael that they can be right back in this. It's a really short flight.
1: Mm, they're very optimistic.
0: Oh, wait, field elimination.
1: Um, one thing we we missed, um, Yale and BB were driving somewhere, and um, BB covered their faces. And, and she said, oh, that was a really good cover. And literally as soon as they drove past, Yale said, oh, yeah, that's BB.
0: It's almost like they have a terrible social game. <sighs> oh, you know what was hilarious? Oh, I just saw something
2: stupid in my notes. I, I wrote that there is a penis chess piece in the pottery task.
1: I didn't notice that.
2: Yeah, it was the last piece I think that she finds. Yeah.
1: They're big um, on they, them they, over in Asia, being fertility and, and all this. You can find quite a bit of things. I really don't want to talk about this, but you can find a lot. Please of Please do, Michelle,
0: because I'm gonna make I'm gonna put in the podcast notes. Michelle talks about dicks.
1: Oh, I'm gonna say it so ambiguously. Um, yeah, you can find a lot of stuff in in Thailand with those items.
2: <laughs> yeah, fertility symbolism. Come on, Michael, stop! Stop being all immature about this. Um, oh, the the camel location—the task for the camels was at a place called Endurance
0: Village. And sadly, J.D. Roth from the TV show Endurance was not there. This is very appropriate timing, given that you have been watching Discovery Children's show Endurance this week. Yes,
2: I am already already, uh, about a third of the way into season three. Go Grey Team.
0: Not content with going through foreign versions of The Mole, Logan has now moved on to children's reality TV.
2: Hey, Endurance was, a pop- was like the only children's show I have ever seen. Well, one season of Kid Nation, but that's, but that's been it. it is been
1: Endurance like Kid Nation?
0: No, Endurance is more closer to uh, Survivor. I can only say that because I know that Spencer will probably get a whiff of it and have a go at me for criticising Endurance. Have you ever seen Endurance, Michael? I have not, no. You should watch at least the
2: first season. I don't know if I'll make it through all six seasons, but it's kind of interesting, especially like one of the contestants ends up going on intervention because we find out that his mom just really wanted him to be a reality TV star. And then uh, then one of the other contestants has grown up and has now been on like the last five or six seasons in a row of MTV's The Challenge and has essentially made a career of being on uh, competitive reality TV.
0: Hilariously, it's the complete opposite for my family. I think my parents were kind of equal parts proud and disappointed that I ended up getting on the code.
1: (laughs) Why? Why disappointed?
0: Because I've always been obsessed with what they call "scoo" some crap or other. They're not a big fan of, like, TV quiz shows and stuff. They're proud for me, and they know that I like it, which obviously makes them like it. They're just, it's not the sort of thing that they would necessarily do themselves. No, your
2: parents are very much into the dramas. Yeah, they are. Oh, when Henry and Evan were struggling to break open the pot, how Evans was saying, oh, it's not like this is a skill we're lacking. (laughs) We're just not throwing it hard enough. Oh, I think Amazing Race Canada needs to file copyright infringement because they uh, copy the Eagle Screech sound effect repeatedly in this episode.
0: (laughs) I was expecting Ashley Collingbull to turn up. Yeah, she's the pit stop greeter in the middle of Bahrain. And call someone a poopy face or whatever. Fart face. Fart face, yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, and this was... We we also got the worst hashtag ever, I think.
1: Oh, God, yes.
2: Hashtag super systematic. What the hell, editors? What the hell? Like,
1: why? And of
2: all things hashtag, why not hashtag one of the things that Connor said? Hashtag testicles. <laughs> or, yeah, just on my personal favorite hashtag milk, milk, milk. Or hashtag I got it in the eye. Fun. Hashtag super systematic? Why? That was just words that
0: were said. Hashtag nipple squeeze. Yes. So, yeah, we lose Lucas and Brittany in Bahrain, sadly. They don't even really, they barely, yeah, it was just at the first route marker with
2: the Dows, right? And then Phil is already hanging out there. Yep. And it is late at night uh, when they get there, it seems.
0: Because they land at
2: night, so I assume it's got to be fairly late. And, of course, the subject that we've got to talk about is, was this really supposed to be in non-elimination, or was it shifted because Lucas and Brittany were just that far
0: behind? I'm not sure, because, annoyingly, Henry and Evan's speed bump sign was the last thing posted on social media by the morons who were treating this like Big Brother life feeds. So I knew Henry and Evan got to got non-eliminated in Thailand, basically, and I know what their speed bump is, and it feels like a rush job. I will say that it is not the most intensive speed bump we've ever seen. I believe that it is basically hanging paper lanterns. Oh, that's yeah. it's either thirty or forty paper lanterns they have to hang up to be able to continue on the race, and it's at one of the other route markers. Oh, yeah. Like
1: I was thinking that last night because uh, how on earth could you have that as a non-elimination when they're so far behind the other teams? You just, it just wouldn't work.
0: Yeah, I don't think that they ever intended Final Five to be an elimination here. I think the Thailand leg was probably intended on being an elimination. Yeah. And obviously situations changed. Just because of how they probably
2: the pit stop length was too short um, to allow Lucas and Brittany to catch up that the length of Lucas and Brittany at the pit stop would make them depart later than probably production's planned flights were to uh, to Thailand is, is, has been my assumption anyway. Mm, uh, Lucas, uh, Lucas and Brittany wouldn't have been able to make the flight unless production decided to shorten the rest period for Lucas and Brittany and essentially screw everybody else over.
0: I would assume that production, probably when they're putting together the season, have a potential speed bump in every place that hasn't, or isn't supposed to have another elimination ahead of it, just in case. Yeah, just in case somebody loses a passport and
2: doesn't even get an emergency one, they just point blank can't go to the next location.
0: Yeah, that
2: would be my assumption. And that's essentially what the scenario was, it was just the team gets to the next location so late, and with how blatant... The budget has been cut for this season as well. Like, this has probably been the smallest budget for a season yet that I can't really see them letting Lucas and Brittany just get eliminated on the next leg and just allow for them to take the one of the really late flights to uh, Thailand.
0: Yeah, if you consider that the last proper Final Four non-elimination that we saw, excluding, like, the, the shock Final Four, the Final Four or Go to the Final Leg twists, is Twenty One. It's been the best part of 10 seasons since we've seen a Final Four non-elimination.
2: Well, Season 25 still had a proper Final Four non-elimination. They just had two of them in a row. Because both, both both Philippines legs were uh, non-Elims. Yeah, it's
0: just... It's been a while, anyway.
2: Yeah. 21 and 25 been the only two. Otherwise, it's just been mandatory, pretty much. Like Especially in the Canadian version, where
0: after Season 1, they haven't had a single Final Four non-elimination leg. Especially when other versions have been known to use up their uh, final non-elimination by seven, I think it was. I think Hammerot's used final eight as their final one a couple of years ago.
2: And they've gone in the opposite direction for this season, because I think they have only four teams left and two non-eliminations to go. Well,
0: you know what the choice that they're doing is, don't you? Oh, right, they're bringing... right. We, yep. we haven't actually mentioned this on the podcast yet, I don't think, but... um. Hammerots are doing a version of the Revival Pass. Yes. (laughs) Michelle is speechless. Well,
1: well, it's not as though we discuss it very much.
0: They're bringing back all but two of the Eliminated teams and saying, you guys have got a leg of your own. Whoever wins this leg goes back into the race. Have fun.
1: I was actually trying to explain Hammerots to someone the other night. I've never watched it. I only know it from you. But Then I was trying to explain it, and then I was saying that you watched it. I was just saying a male friend of mine and they're saying, is he Jewish? Is he Israeli? And I said, no, he's neither. He just likes watching it. And he's going, why? (laughs) I
2: said, because it's
1: unusual.
0: (laughs) Because it is mental. Uh... It is utterly, utterly bonkers. So do we want to serenade Lucas and Brittany? Sure. I really
2: like them. I'm very sad to see them go out in this way, especially because now this is going to be their legacy for the most part, on the Amazing Race that. It's going to be, oh, that team that constantly talked about the proposal, and then were silly enough to leave their passport on a plane.
0: Yeah, it's a shame, really, because their legacy probably should be being unfortunate after winning two legs on the trot. Yeah,
2: but it's not going to be that way now. It's just going to be like, oh, they're the team that uh, we're so jealous. Of. Bacon and Tory Spelling. And then had the pineapple thing and then lost the lost the passports oh they got what they deserved that's what it's going to be like for some people but luckily not everyone is going to be like that
0: Do you think that the team who we shall not name deliberately made sure the proposal was in the week that Lucas and Brittany went? I know it's a conspiracy theory
2: it's, I, don't know. I, I don't know for sure because I don't think they would be
0: that sounds like really a devious thing to do, but it wouldn't surprise me. Given some of their actions on social media, it's not necessarily out of character.
1: I think he wanted to do it before the series ended, just for, you know, more publicity. I mean, if he's going to do it, why not do it now instead of in a month?
0: It's 100% extending their 15 minutes of fame and reminding people that they exist so that they can probably do the pre-season interviews on Big Brother 20. That's my cynical view on it. So, leg 10. Uh, so teams must now fly to Chiang Mai in Thailand and take a song thou to Royal Park Ratchaprook to find their next clue. And Alice and Connor leave at 10.18am with Christine and Jen at 10.40, Henry and Evan at 11.25, and then the team who we shall not name at 12.05pm. This is Chiang Mai's first return since season two? I believe so. I'm pretty sure international seasons have been there, but for the US seasons it's seen, since season two, yeah.
1: Christy, at the beginning of this, um, they gave her a little interview and she's saying, you know, there'll be three strong teams at the finish and two are coming to the finals with us. Isn't that positive thinking at its finest?
0: Well, they do have experience of competing on Little to No Sleep.
1: Yes. But they're just saying, right, we are in the finals. We just need two others to join us.
0: Bring it on, guys. This leg was very... I've, I've
2: in the earlier seasons this was quite common once you got down to four teams where pretty much at the end of each leg, which is all four teams trying to talk up their own game, and I commonly refer to this as UFC esque promo time. And this was definitely a UFC esque promo time at each of the at the end of each of these two legs.
0: And the next bit is why I think Henry and Evan a wing, because they've had a pretty good edit. All season, the whole overcoming the adversity of Evan's getting clocked in the mouth thing, really staying out of the drama, being level-headed and all that sort of stuff. But then we find out the key piece of information for the winner's edit, which is what they'll do with the money. Because they say they both have student loan debts and want to use it for grad school. And I know it's not necessarily the noble motivations that we usually have, but they're the only team Mm. who we really know what they want to do with the money now. That's true, that's a good point. It's basically either them or Christy and Jen for me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's
0: definitely down to those two teams. As much as I would love Alex and Connor to to win as well, just because I I think Connor will probably blow it all on drugs and girls, (laughs) I think it's probably going to be Henry and Evan. I should
2: note with uh, Jen, I like how she takes a bit of a passive-aggressive approach with production, saying, oh, Christy and I, as a team, have always finished in the top three. None of your bullshit twists. Yeah. (laughs) Granted, if you just go by, if you include the partner swap twist, then it's just Jen on her own that's finished in the top three. And they will be the first US, or Jen will be the first uh, American contestant to do so if they survive the next elimination. Because even Eric and Jeremy had a fourth place finish in season nine.
0: And Alex and Connor say that they want to be in the final three with everyone but Henry and Evan.
2: Yeah, Henry and Evan were really one of those teams that seemed to be uh, running their own race, quote-unquote, because they don't really seem to really interact with the other teams that much, and that unintentionally triggered this final three alliance against
0: them. I think it'll be interesting if they do win, because they're the complete antithesis of Brooke and Scott, in that Brooke and Scott were deliberately being incredibly social and building this alliance to mask their respective weaknesses because it was complete strangers and you didn't know what your strengths and weaknesses were going to be for your partner whereas henry and evan if they win they've basically done it as lone rangers they've never really had a team to rely on necessarily just very very
2: loose oh i'll help you if you help me out at this task which they've only done like once or twice a whole season I think they only worked with Eric and Daniel, they worked with Eric and Daniel twice, and that's been it. And Eric and Daniel's not exactly a strong team to work with.
0: They would be the first real Lone Ranger team to win. Yeah, pretty much worldwide. And we've said for a while that you really do need to rely on these bonds to to get yourself forward, but Henry and Evan may prove me wrong yet. Yeah, because even other
2: teams that were ganged up on at the end of other masonry seasons, they still had strong alliances leading up to that point that got eliminated along the way. Henry and Evan, like, barely had a connection with Eric and Daniel. Otherwise, they have been completely on their own up to this point.
0: So once teams get to the park, they have to now take a flower garland from an elephant statue and present it to a time maiden walking around the park to get their next clue. And each maiden can only accept one garland. And we get a vacuous scene from the cyborg and his missus, where she says, oh, it's the most beautiful place I've ever been. And he's like, it's not America. (laughs) You know how we said he's utterly humorless?
1: Oh, God. Seriously. (laughs) I still like the American trees and hills better. You know how much bugs these all brings? (laughs) You wouldn't be able to lay out... What, there's no bugs in the US? There's no mosquitoes? I'm sorry, there are.
0: Hey, America. There are other countries in the world. And I say this as someone who loves America and loves the national parks and all that sort of stuff but there are other countries in the world and thailand is a pretty beautiful one so lighten up yeah and Bacon. who lives in la would know that
2: once you get up into some of the other areas around southern and southern within southern california as i have personally experienced there's some crazy bugs and insects and stuff that are walking around that can freak the hell out of you.
0: And it's kind of ironic that this episode airs in the same week where he took her to an innocuous canyon in Southern California to propose.
2: Yeah, like, there is going to be some crazy Black Widow spiders. I remember this one time seeing this, like, tiny, tiny rabbit thing. That, That freaked me out. Like, rabbits aren't supposed to be that small, and they're just casually walking around around the big spiders and stuff that I see a few minutes later.
1: Even when he's in another country, he's still playing the ignorant American. Even when he's there, seeing these things, oh, it makes me so angry.
0: <laughs> it does. Link. There's a sound bite. <laughs> what just? Think, oh, it makes me so angry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, to be fair, this is the week for sound bites.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, dear um... God.
0: I've teased it all week, and after watching this episode, I've come to a conclusion that, seen as though it's my 200th episode, and seen as though we had a double episode that was filled with utter, utter unintentional filth, we are having the return of the face cream megamix.
2: Not to mention that Bacon. The, uh, at the camel task said, "Hi, can I milk you?" and s- describing it as and s- describing the utter slash testicles as slimy. That was That's the word she used.
0: I'm making a point of not including them in it, but there are, I think it's six different clips I've taken from this double episode. There are a lot of clips. Most of them are Connor, to be fair. But there's a great one from Jen as well, which we'll get to. <laughs> and Alex and Connor do leave in first, and it's a detour, which is size it or seize it. And in size it, teams must measure an elephant and use formulae to calculate its weight to get their next clue. And in Seize It, teams must catch 20 bullfrogs in a swamp to get their next clue. And fun fact for all the American listeners, The Swamp does not take place in Jacksonville, one of the top 10 swamp cities in Northeastern Florida.
1: Why? Why did you just say that? I'm so confused.
0: Because it's a reference to maybe one of the best comedy series of the past 10 years, The Good Place, which is absolutely fantastic. There's a character who comes from Jacksonville, and he describes Jacksonville as one of the top 10 swamp cities in Northeastern Florida. Right, yeah. And Henry and Evan leave in second with Christine Jen in third and the cyborg and his misses in last. And Christy and Jen have their first bit of conflict when Christy really doesn't like the detail choice. Because she wants frogs, she doesn't want elephants even though it's Amazing Race there's going to be an elephant task. it's Thailand. Mm. And Christy and Jen do eventually switch to seize it, briefly. And in one of my favourite unintentional comedy moments of the episode Alex recoils when he sees a real carabao. Hmm, weird. He walks past, thinking that it's a statue of some description, and then pretty much shits himself when it starts moving.
1: <laughs>
0: and Christy and Jem do switch back to size it.
1: I like how Connor says, A marine's called Frogman? He's a male. Why doesn't he know this stuff? You wouldn't
0: necessarily know it off the top of your head. You can kind of work it out that it's going to be the Navy.
1: A frogman is just someone who, you know, dives. Well, yeah, but
0: it's it's a nickname particularly for Navy SEALs.
1: Uh, Well, we just, we sort of call Frogman anyone who sort of dies.
0: If you remember Andy, not Patrick's brother, Stump from Hunted US, he was a Navy SEAL. Still is, I think.
2: I was hoping to be an actual SEAL and and just going,
0: arf, arf, or something like that. That would have been, that would have been hilarious. Are you guys deliberately mentioning them as much (laughs) as possible to make my edit hard? (laughs) I've been deliberately ignoring it for the past hour and twenty, but I've got so many. I've got so, one coming many, coming up. I've got so <laughs> many bits to cover up, you little shits. Uh,
2: I've got more of it Bacon. coming up. Um, I should note that I remembered how to spell song songtow correctly in my notes. I'm proud of you because it's it was an amazing race nineteen. So I'm like, isn't it S O N G T H A?
0: EW, and sure enough, yeah, I remember how to spell it. And Connor earns his place in the Face Cream Clip Hall of Fame by describing the frogs, when he says that they are Jurassic size and slippery, and then proceeds to describe them as, one of my favorite clips ever, big, girthy fellas. <laughs> Connor must know at this point that he is entirely pandering to the people with a mental age of about 12 here, who find the unintentional innuendo ridiculously funny like I do.
1: Yeah, that's that's just you, Michael. He's just getting there.
0: Michelle it's really not, because any podcast that I include the face screen clip on tends to get the most listens, genuinely. People love this shit for some reason, and I love this shit. It's so much fun to put together and just sit through an episode, writing notes going, face cream clip, face cream clip, face cream clip. And when we get enough, I do tend to do one. I haven't done one for two seasons now. You have to do it, at the, it has to be at the very front end of this podcast. Oh no, it's, it's the stinger. I've already teased it.
1: I think people don't listen to the end bit. I think as soon as you say goodbye, people will switch off.
0: You'd be surprised.
1: Really? Okay.
0: Nobody switched off for nursery crimes when Ant did that.
1: Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, for the frogs, why aren't they putting them, like, in their T-shirt? Like, you catch a frog, instead of trying to hold it, put in your T-shirt and then walk over to the basket. It's not rocket science. No one did it.
0: I wonder whether they were told they couldn't do that because they were wearing remote microphones.
1: Yeah, but the yeah. microphone is on their back. They can just put the frog in their front.
0: Yeah, but if they were... Like I know, on Big Brother, sometimes they have the it attached to their front instead.
1: Not on this, they did.
0: And sort of wrapped around, so maybe they were slightly worried about the electronics getting a bit filthy. Right.
1: I don't
0: know. I would have still done. That would be my instinct on it. And which uh, detail would you guys have chosen?
1: Um. God, the elephant. Every challenge I've ever done, which required maths or measuring, it it just. It's too nitty gritty. I think I would
2: have done the frogs. Probably would have done the frogs as well. As soon as you include numbers and stuff, it seems like it could be a bit of a challenge.
0: See, I think if you're in this situation though, you go into a final four leg and you know it can't be an elimination. A hundred percent. They're never going to eliminate a team at final four before leg 11. I think in that situation, you maybe go for the more fun task. And the more fun task is definitely not searching a swamp for frogs. The the fun task is hanging out with elephants, and those elephants were adorable. Beautiful. What if they're like the fighting
2: bullfrogs from The Simpsons, though? I think they're actually Thai bull, fighting bullfrogs with
0: Barton Milhouse's frogs. I think especially when you get a, a beautiful little scene like Jen hanging out with the elephant calf, that makes that task worth it in my book.
1: Yeah, it does. But, I mean, then you have to really take faith in that, you know production isn't doing an elimination leg
0: yeah but you're also going to be on the the same flight going into hong kong and you know it Mm. they won't let you do separate flights anymore i think if you really are stuck between a detour choice that sounds easy but boring and fun but a bit harder when you are pretty sure it's going to be a non-elimination you maybe take your foot off the pedal and go actually i want to hang with elephants today i'm in thailand i want to hang with elephants
2: Put off the pedal—is that supposed to be an Indy five hundred reference,
0: Michael? I don't think you'd take your foot off the pedal on Indy five hundred because someone would crash into you <laughs> when you go a mile every two seconds or whatever it was Connor said, which is pretty damn fast.
1: I am going to bring up Woo! This again. This is a boys' detour. Yep,
2: <laughs> yep. As to...
0: soon as I heard that, I thought I am getting a Michelle rant this week, are <laughs> Michelle hates any any girls who say that stuff is for boys.
1: Yep. And then I sat there and thought, okay, what would I say is for boys? Okay, maybe I would say, you know, that what was that challenge where someone had to redo a motorbike? You had to put together a motorbike.
0: The pulling the transmission off?
1: Yeah, like I could literally say, yes, majority of men might know more about that than women, but...
0: Then you get Rochelle, who was basically the quickest at that task. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying the majority... But seriously, oh, anything messy, oh, it's a boy task. (sighs) Oh,
0: my God. In a world where Queen Brooke won the last season, you may think I'm going to say, oh, that is an evidence of someone not being able to win. But it's a completely different type of edit to what Brooke got. Because Brooke got the, I'm not sure I can do it edit. But she never actually quit a task. She never said, I can't do this. She said, I'm not sure I can. Mm. And Brooke did every task. Brooke pulled her weight with the roadblocks. Brooke never really leaned back on Scotty and said, you're going to just have to do this solo. This is a boy's task. Whereas she definitely was passive this week. And passive is not a good thing to be in The Amazing Race. She was deliberately letting him take centre stage. And that's not good. Because the best teams on Amazing Race are equal partnerships. You never have one teammate drag the other one through. And even in the case of Flo and Zach, I know someone's going to say, oh, but what about Flo and Zach?" With Flo and Zach, yeah, Flo was basically a 100-pound lead weight around his neck. But also, she did do the roadblock with the selling the Escalgo, Go, for example. And she was very good at the, the logistics issues and the finding the right flights and stuff. They never fell behind because of flights. They fell behind because Flo couldn't do tasks. But it was an equal partnership even between Flo and Zach. Not at the tasks, but at the general race, and that's why they won. And the best teams are like that, the worst teams are ones where it is heavily lopsided. It's the same reason I am not a big fan of Chuck and Wynona, who, then again, led weight around his neck.
1: You done? Good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, had, you had the floor, Michael. <laughs> Another great bit of the C's uh, the task is just Connor's screams whenever he's trying to find a frog. Ah, ah, ah,
2: ah.
0: Come back here, Kermit. It's like a trophy. And just spoilers: Connor is one hundred percent getting the banner this week. There's no one else who earned it this week. Maybe Jen with the elephant calf, but I I think Connor's kind of got to get it by default just because he's he was a star this week. Which part? (laughs) Just everything. I'm not sure. I need I, I need to look through it and find a good screen grab for him. But he's just it. Like I don't know where they found him. I genuinely I don't do know not whether know where they found him.
1: You can get in the next bit when the scorpions are there and he is grinning. I don't know whether you can get Ooh. in the background with a face when he's grinning maniacally.
0: If I do, I will have to blur her face because I'm not acknowledging that she's on this season.
1: Uh, but that's the whole thing. He's just grinning because she's whinging. I love it.
0: I like how with Connor
2: at the bullfrog task where he says, once you figure out where the frogs hang out and how to grab them, then, th- then I got a roll on this task. In other words, once you figure out the task, then you can do the task, is essentially what he's
0: saying. He's basically the IndyCar version of Ben Sherlock Owen. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how Logan even knows what that joke is, despite the fact that he hasn't even seen the genesis of Sherlock that was Series 2. <laughs> when we deliberately described him as Sherlock, because he was saying stupid stuff every damn week. I was thinking more like Captain Obvious... Yeah, he is basically Captain Obvious. So Christy and Jen do complete size in first, and for teams com- completing size, they have to ride their elephant to the next clue.
2: With Christy and Jen, I don't. I think you were out of the room when me and Michelle were talking about this, Michael. But with Christy and Jen have their first major disagreement, pretty much all race, where Christy really wants to do the frog task when they're riding around in the song town, and then Jen wanted to do the elephant's. And then Christy was passive-aggressive about wanting to do the frogs instead. And then Jen being like, I feel like you're prompting me to choose the the frogs. And then Christy said, you're right, Jen. I'll back off. We'll do the elephants. So I like how the... And then with, like, Henry and Evan, when they were disagreeing, Henry's like, I would like to express a concern. And then (laughs) later on in the argument, Evan says, actually, those are good points. Yeah, and... and
1: very measured arguments, very intelligent. Just get on with it. They were great.
0: I think the reason that most people don't necessarily think that Henry and Evan can win is because their winner's edit, and I'm going to be saying this again, is very atypical in the fact that actually, because they don't have much much of a big reaction to anything, even when Evan was hit in the face with the sale, she didn't really have a massive reaction. It was an, oh, no. Right. I've got to keep doing this task.
2: There's a protuberance on my tooth.
0: Yeah. It was an, oh no, I have to continue with the task and put this to the back of my mind. They are that focused and competitive, for want of a better word, appropriate to this season. They're so focused and competitive that actually winning the race comes first and all the other stuff comes second. Which is very different to especially the last two winning teams of uh, Dana and Matt and Brooke and Scott where... Both had massive reactions to stuff a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scott is still our intro music, much to his hmm. delight. Hmm. I think he sort of likes the fact that we still use it, but also hates the fact that I created it to begin with.
2: <laughs> you just playing it on Anthony or something.
0: No, I, I own it because I love that intro. It makes me giggle every time I listen to it. I'm completely not backing down from using the Scott's remix of the Hambrot's theme, because it's just delightful. (laughs) But Scott's reactions made him and Brooke fun last season, and Henry and Evan's non-reactions make them fun to me.
2: Like, there's been a real lack of conflict heading into the climax of the season. I I was thinking about this last week, too, during the Zimbabwe Zimbabwe leg, and especially now that Lucas and Brittany were eliminated in the first few minutes of the episode, where I was thinking there's a real lack of conflict or trying to size up the other teams pretty much for the whole two hours it was it was a very mellow two hours back to back and i think i figured it out because three teams are in a massive alliance saying no we're going to get henry and evan We u turn them we really don't want them in the final three this is our final three they're not going to make it there and then when you show henry now evan who pretty much know this is what the state of things are they're kind of like okay. We're just going to run our own race. They have no reaction to the other three teams actively trying to get them eliminated.
0: I think it's that Henry and Evan are so used to being lone wolves thanks to debate and relying on each other that they're not used to relying on other people to help them. They're used to making their own victories, basically. It makes sense as to why they're all... It makes a lot
2: of sense as to why they're the only team this season that doesn't do any social media whatsoever or very, very little of it because they're just very much like just really keep to themselves for the most part and kind of tune out all the background noise that goes on around them. So if you want to create a rivalry or conflict between teams, don't do it with Henry and Evan because it's not really going to go anywhere on
0: TV. Yeah, they're very insular is the word I would use. Mm -hmm.
1: I don't think that even be on the social media very much. I mean they they'd be studiers and doing that sort of stuff. I don't think they would put much value in being able to chat to random strangers.
2: That's true. They would have probably like a Rory Gilmore-esque pros and cons list of <laughs> what what would happen if I created a social media account or go on social media and see what people are saying. And there's probably a lot more cons than there are pros, and then they decide, upon their hypothesis, they decide, oh, we are not going to create a so- social media account then that we that we all check into regularly. Okay, I feel good about that decision. Thank you
0: for expressing your concerns. <laughs> and by no means is this a slight to Henry and Evan. I, they are mm-hmm. still one of my favourite teams of the season. It's just the way they think. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's the fact that they are a completely different team to what we have seen in terms mm. of they're successful for a different reason than a lot of other Amazing Race teams are. And it, it makes me think more that they win because we're seeing a lot of them even when they're not necessarily involved in the narrative.
1: And you don't have to, you know, hate a team just because they're not like you. I mean, yeah. I, I live my life on social media. A lot of the
0: time. Really? And Never knows.
1: <laughs> really? And, yeah, I still love them. They're, I mean, each to their own.
0: Yeah. And I know that people will say, oh, but you didn't like London and Logan last season. And it's like London and Logan were a boring team in a season full of crazies, whereas Henry and Evan are a logical team in a season full of people who shouldn't have been cast. That's how I see it.
1: Mm.
0: I like... Henry and Evan for different reasons than I didn't necessarily like London and Luke. And I didn't hate anyone last season at all. In fact, it's one of my favourite casts generally. Not as good as Australia 2, but no cast is ever as good as Australia 2. Whereas this season there's a big gulf between teams I like and teams I don't.
2: So Henry is... I'm going to get this out there because this was talked about a lot on social media after the episode aired. Henry goes to Yale. He's Asian and he lost to Christine Chen at a math task. Apparently, that's the big controversy with this detour.
0: And weirdly, I was just finishing listening to the first episode of the Samoa season of Survivor Historians yesterday, where they were talking about Liz getting put out by the fact that uh, Mick chose her as an Asian lady for math, or for a puzzle challenge. Mm -hmm. It's like, these aren't the stereotypes she should be necessarily perpetuating.
2: It's kind of funny because Christy and Jen, are like, oh, we beat Yale at math. And then of course, everyone else is online is like, oh, my God, they beat an Asian at math. Like, is that supposed to be some sort of trophy that will be presented at the finish line? A medal? A ribbon? Like,
0: what are we, what are we supposed to do with that on a family-friendly TV show? But Christy and Jen aren't exactly the stupidest.
1: No, not at all.
0: I will say that completely. I know from experience that Winter Olympians, especially take Monty for example Monty is not a fool. There was a guy who went to my school who was about 5 or 10 years older than me I think, who represented Britain at the Olympics in Skeleton who basically developed his own boards he w- he had a PhD in everything but his day job was developing his board as a side job basically because he's an engineer. And then using that board to go down ice runs at 90 miles an hour head first. Locally, um,
2: there's a guy in the in the Winter Olympics right now. He's representing Portugal because he was born in Macau, then moved here to uh, Vernon. And he's a pharmacist. He's the pharmacist competing
0: in the Winter Olympics. Amazing. Despite maybe the perceptions of people who are professional athletes as being a bit stupid, I'm not surprised at all that Christine Jen did well at the, the maths challenge because you have to have the side jobs. And a lot of these people are very intelligent as well as being slightly crazy for launching themselves headfirst down (laughs) an ice (laughs) run at 90 miles an hour attached to a tea tray.
2: Yeah, like, unless you're Sean White, there's almost no money to be made in Winter Olympics, especially for female athletes in the Winter Olympics. Like, on Reddit this week, uh, somebody posted Christie's
0: modeling photo shoot from like 12 years ago and then someone else posted the link to an article Jen wrote about the same time criticizing olympians for being sexualized basically yeah
2: that female athletes are pressured to try and make money off of their looks to help uh, subsidize their winter olympic pursuits
1: but getting back to asians in math like you know what some people who go to yale or harvard They might be good at the English side of things. They might be good at analyzing literature. It doesn't mean they have to be good at maths as well. Why does every Asian have to be good at maths? It's just, it's this perception that is just not based in any fact. It's just a bit ridiculous.
2: Some of them just really like to just, you know, sit down and power through a really good anime, you know, and just
0: don't (laughs) have to be good at maths. I mean, some people are built for doing maths and some people are built for doing Takeshi's Castle. It balances itself out.
2: <laughs>
0: or maybe they just really want to be spirited away, you know? Um, so yeah, once teams complete size, they do get to ride their elephants down the path to get their next clue, which obviously makes Jen pretty much cry. Mm-hmm. And it's the team who shall not be named who leave season in first, and teams must now find the original Kanoke restaurant to get their next clue.
2: Elephants really like bananas. Elephants, yeah. I think, like bananas more than monkeys do. Bon Discuss
0: Bon <laughs> Well it is the first time I've ever heard Phil describe anything on the show as being a banana thief
2: Yeah if anyone's a banana thief it would be um,
0: might be like Maggie Perule for instance You're trying so hard not to say Jackie <laughs> I know you're trying so hard not to say Jackie <laughs> So Christine Jen leaves size in third with Henry Newman in last after they get rejected twice And once teams get to the restaurant, shockingly, it's a food-eating roadblock, which is who wants to tie something new? And in this roadblock, one team member must eat three cooked scorpions and a cooked bullfrog while their partner is being covered with live scorpions. And once they eat everything, they get their next clue.
1: Immediately I thought, oh my god, what is this going to do? And it's going to be hilarious no matter which one she does.
2: I must say that I, I know I'm I know I'm backpedaling a bit, but with the elephant task that, considering the last elephant task was Amazing Race Asia five, with that this one here in Thailand with this elephant task was a lot less gropy than the last elephant task. Yeah, because what was it? Treasury and uh, J.K. both got groped by the elephant trainer, Evan and. Jen both uh, wrote on the elephants here in this task, and neither of them were groped by the elephant trainer,
0: so a lot of progress is uh, being made. And what did that sound like when JK got groped by the elephant trainer? I don't know, because I, you got, uh, I don't think do, we can the, air that. You're <laughs> going to do the my 200th podcast and not do one of your glass compressions <laughs> for me. Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> I'm not your monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I even gave you the opportunity to do a Joey Covino one earlier. I'm so disappointed in you, Logan. <laughs> and it's uh, Alex, the cyborg, Jen, and Evan doing this roadblock. And now for more classic Connor moments. And another one that will feature in The Stinger is when he's describing the fact that a bloke brought a tray full of, uh, of live scorpions to him and he just says, boom, right on my nips. <laughs> and describes him as homeboy. I just I love Connor's phrasing on, on things. So I was just standing there, just waiting to spot Alex, and boom, Homebow put, put him right on my nips. There's a lot of chest close ups with all the teams.
2: With Connor, yes. with Christy. Christy got the most extreme close up of them all, I think. And, Bart face. Uh, and yeah, it would have been like another one of Christy's uh, photo shoots, I'm sure, from, from uh, back in the day. And then. Um, who was the one that did it? Um, Henry. Oh yeah, Henry. They didn't do close-ups of Henry, just mainly, uh, Connor and, uh, Christy got the, got the bulk of
0: it. I will say, any Amazing Race personnel who are listening, I love these trick roadblocks. I love it when you force the non-participating member into some sort of uncomfortable position. This is delightful. Give us more of these roadblocks where you just trick people into basically torturing their partners.
2: (laughs)
1: <laughs> alex it's, said oh, no not Alex it was Connor Connor said uh, please eat them alex or they'll kill me <laughs> I just laughed
0: It's <laughs> the same reason that I loved the the bugs in the head roadblock from Amazing Race Canada 5 I kid the only good bit of Amazing Race Canada 5 because it was just funny to see people's reactions of oh shit I've got cockroaches around my head what am I going to yeah, do This
1: awful
2: Answered Bert screaming here <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, I'd be screaming.
0: And I also noticed that it seemed they got a pint of beer to accompany the scorpions. Yeah. I thought they'd sort of stopped giving them alcohol.
1: <laughs> What's well, at the end of the leg. It's not going to be that bad.
0: Yeah, uh, The
2: racers got to loosen up, though. It's the only way to get those scorpions down.
0: Boom, right on my nips. <laughs> yes. And Connor said that he would rather have live frogs jumping all over him than scorpions and then him and Alex leaving first, and teams must now find what Chetty Lang, the pit stop for this leg of the race, the last teams check in, won't be eliminated. He probably would have preferred to see
2: the Scorpions being hung upside down and be lit on fire, uh, uh,
0: Pinchers first.
2: I was going to say that the na- that it was going to be naked Scorpions, but I've never seen a clothed Scorpion, so I didn't feel I had to make that distinction.
0: And the Cyborg and his missus leaving second, and I noticed on the back of their... Their transports. There was an advert for Jungle Bungee Jump. Ooh. Which does sound like some sort of early 2000s reality show. (laughs) These six celebrities have been taken to the jungle. This is Jungle Bungee Jump. That sounds like a Michael Rado was
2: doing the the trailer for that. Six contestants have been chosen for Jungle Bungee Jump, and none of them are Liz. What are you going to do about it,
0: Liz? (laughs) Apply for season two? There was an early two thousands reality show that show over here called Drop the Celebrity where there was six celebrities in a plane at ten thousand feet and people had to vote on who had to skydive. Oh, I thought
2: it was just gonna be somebody who had like a celebrity in their hands and they just had to drop them softly to the ground. This your idea sounds a lot more exciting, like
0: It was a proper tandem skydive and the last person up there won money for charity. Oh. And could double it if they did a skydive of their own. And it got cancelled because someone broke their ankle.
2: Oh at the scorpion, the scorpion task, there was a, I guess there was a minor uh, gropey incident, because I think the man who put the scorpions on Bart's face seemed a little kind, kind of gropey with
0: when uh, removing the scorpions at the end of the task. And we also find out that Christy spent some time in Arizona and so hates scorpions because they have a horrendous sting. And then Jen gets one of the quotes of the episode, and ordinarily this would be the quote of the episode, but I think Connor probably took it. So in a secondary quote of the episode, Jen says, and another clip from the face cream coming up, at a certain point, I just started swallowing because chewing wasn't going to get you anywhere. I wrote that down too. <laughs> I'm just sat there and going, you have to know what you're saying. You have to know what's coming out of your mouth here.
1: You are or such going a young male. Oh going my into- lord.
0: Genuinely, you cannot say that sort of stuff with a straight face <laughs> and know that no one's going to pick up on it. It's filth.
2: I just started swallowing and swallowing. I couldn't stop.
0: Milk, milk, milk. I got it in my eye.
1: Oh, boy. Oh,
0: please. Connor, milk, 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 daily there. And Christian and Jen do leave in third. And quite hilariously, there isn't really a foot race to the pit stop because no one's allowed to run. It's sort of a brisk walk. And it's Alex and Connor who check in first, and they win a trip to Curacao. Donde? Which is a very romantic location, so Connor isn't invited. Mm. It's not going to be a you, me, and Dupree situation.
2: <laughs>
0: no third wheeling. I would love it if Connor managed to wangle himself a ticket, though, with Alex and his girlfriend. Right here,
2: you only get the prize if you know where Curacao is.
0: I'm pretty sure Curacao has been visited on uh, Amazing Race Latino America, actually. It has, yeah. It's the only bit of the Netherlands that has actually been visited on Latino America. In Antille.
1: I wouldn't give up a prize, though. Why would you I wouldn't give up a prize. If I've won a prize, I'd be like I'd be like, no no. no. We go together. <laughs> I don't care if it's in a romantic resort. Damn it, I won the leg. I'm going.
0: Yeah, but surely it's really, really awkward. And given your experience in the Amazing Race LRG, what do you know about winning legs?
1: Ha
0: ha Had to say ha. it, Michelle. I love you, you really. You know
1: what? You know what? I came second. Where did you come? I don't even know where you came. Oh dear lord. I don't need to win a leg. You have to go as far as you can. That's all you need.
0: We did what we came to do, and that was go out in a blaze of glory, and boy did we do that. Winning every task of our final leg and buggering it up because of the flight. And it's all Logan's fault. Hey, you found (laughs) the flight. You co-signed it. Let's go down this rabbit hole. (laughs) And the cyborg and his missus check in in second. With Christy and Jen in third, continuing their top three average, which means that Henry and Evan are the last teams to check in. And surprisingly, to everyone who got spoiled on them for getting the final four non elimination, they get the final four non elimination. They weren't that surprised.
2: I'm sure the teams talked about it that they knew it was going to be a non a, elim. A
0: yeah, and this is the last spoiler that I had to delete from Amazing Race fans because some moron actually posted the speed bump sign in Hong Kong. Idiots. It's a very pretty-looking speed bump sign, to be fair to them, but they're still idiots. Mm-hmm. And they also say that they are greatly underestimated by the other teams. Taking mm-hmm. for the winners, at it.
2: Oh, I should note, with Christy and Chen when they were at the pit stop, what the way that, like, Christy was uh, moving onto the mat, it was very, like, a
0: soccer mom jogging club type style. Did not notice that.
2: Yeah, I have that in my
0: notes. And as is traditional, when we go into a two-part finale, we get a confessional from each of the final four teams explaining why they won't win. (laughs) So Alex and Gunner say that they are on a hot streak. Christy and Jen point out they've always been top three and there's only been three all-female winners, which is why people think they're going to win. I don't. The Cyborg and his missus say that they want redemption for their shitty performance in Big Brother. And Henry and Evan say that they stack up well and are the only team to say that they will win.
2: Watch Bacon and Tori Spelling
0: win next week. <laughs> I'm pretty confident they won't. And if they do, I won't be acknowledging anything about their game. Oh, God. So next time, Hong Kong and San Francisco play host of the final two likes. are Smashers, Crabs, Chinese Orders, the finish line, and an almighty drop.
2: They love California on The Amazing Race.
0: They love boobs in California, girls in California.
2: The fourth finale in San Francisco.
0: And the finish line location has already been revealed, and it's a pretty badass location, to be fair to them. What is it? It is a a naval cruiser in the San Francisco Bay Area.
1: Oh, so it's docked. It's docked, though, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so it, it's it's basically a, a ship museum. It's awesome. It's like a proper aircraft carrier and everything. Wow. Oh, yeah. And there's one of them in San Diego as well. The USS Midway is probably the most famous, famous ship museum in, in the US, and that's in San Diego, and that is awesome. That's so much fun.
2: I'm surprised they haven't used San Diego on The Amazing Race, especially with how much they love California.
0: Yeah, but it's the USS Hornet, I believe, is the the finish line for this season. So, who do you guys think is going to win? Christy and
2: Jen? Yeah,
1: Christian and Jen.
0: I just can't see them winning.
1: I want them to win really badly,
0: though. <laughs> I think it's going to be between them and Henry and Evan.
2: I agree with you on that. If I'm wrong about Christy and Jen... Uh, It's gotta be Henry and Evan, because Alex and Connor are getting like the the fan favourite please bring them back type edit.
0: Yeah, I just think in my heart of hearts, Christy and Jen haven't really been shown enough to have winners' content. Really? They've been shown as the sort of Natalie and Megan competent all-female team, we're-going-to-choke-at-the-final-moment team, rather than the... They haven't really had much winners' content.
1: You know what? We've got strong teams at the end here.
0: Yeah, whereas I think... Henry and Evan, I know it might be, just be my Fidham-style tunnel busy, but I think Henry and Evan have been shown to be competent and have a different type of winner's edit, which is a hallmark of the winner's edits in recent Amazing Race seasons. They like to give us different winner's edits every time. Mm-hmm. And I just think Christine and Jen's story is sort of the sort of thing we've seen before, and we, we don't know their motivation to the cash. We don't really know that much about them compared to Henry and Evan. They're all the hallmarks of a classic winner's edit. Those are some good points. There's only one team who's really got the hallmarks of the winner's edit, which is stuff like other teams talking about them as being a threat. We have the backstory from Henry and Evan, the overcoming adversity and the the tooth chipping, their motivations for the cash. They're all classic winner's edit signs. Watch me be completely wrong next week, but in my humble opinion, they are the hallmarks of a winner's edit and that's why I'm putting my money on Henry and Evan next week.
2: Are we going to get a head-to-head at the finish line?
0: As much as I would love it to happen, no. The bigger question is, will the double battle actually come back? Mm. That's tough to say, because the
2: contestants really hated it. They'd have to change, they'd have to follow what people have been saying online and make the appropriate modifications to it. Because as it currently stands, it's, uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, very... uh, well-liked twist by the contestants nor nor the fans. And if the contestants really don't like it, that's a that was a very rare thing to have happen, I think, for a production, for contestants to just roll their eyes at a twist whenever it came up.
0: I think it'll probably have one more season's chance and they'll do some tweaks on it, because I don't think they'd abandon it so quickly, especially as it has worked so well for some international seasons. Not so much for Amazing Race Canada, but it's worked so well for other seasons. I just hope we don't go for, like, sports.
2: Yeah, that'd be kind of silly. Be like, oh, you're going to play a baseball game.
0: So is there anything else to say about this pair of legs before we hurtle into the finale and finally are rid of this season? We banned a lot of people from Amazing Race fans this week.
1: Yes. A lot
2: of people. That was quite the purge of people going a bit crazy on the forums. Well, this whole season's been like that, but especially these past couple of weeks has been just, oh... We gotta ban this person, and that person, and another person. That's a technical foul. Just everybody gets to be removed.
1: You get a ban. You get a ban. (laughs) You get a ban.
0: (laughs) I'll say more about this next week, but I am very glad that this season is ending. I'm glad, yeah,
2: I'm also glad it was condensed down to an eight-week run as well.
0: So... Thank you for listening to this URT number podcast. You can join us next weekend to recap the final two episodes. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages. MJ Hampton for me, Log Super Quacky for Logan, and Bear Three 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 for Michelle. We will see you next week and enjoy the face cream.
2: Bye. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Milk, milk, milk. When the farmer feels their seaweed has been properly laid out to dry, he may give them a little face cream. Oh, oh thank you. Oh. Oh, yes. Thank you. Oh, you got to really squeeze it. Yeah, just squeeze it. you got to get right in there and just milk the teat. I'm just grabbing things. Just, boom, milk, milk, milk. And it was just a weird sensation.
1: At a certain point, I just started swallowing because Chewing wasn't gonna really get you anywhere. It was like magic in my fingers. I like them on my face.